listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. Welcome to episode 66 of the Testudo Times Podcast, where unfortunately, my grand plans for this show fell by the wayside, but that doesn't mean that plan B isn't any better, because it is. Ryan and Matt are back with us to talk about many Maryland-related things. Uh, first of all, how was your Thanksgiving? Uh, you know, can't complain. Filled with Maryland sports, as it usually is. Yeah, there's a lot of things to be thankful for with Maryland sports, and then there's plenty that aren't, but you know, this is how it goes. It's Maryland. We can't really have nice things for that long. At least sort of, right? Uh, yeah, you know, th- I, I'd say this, this was a... Thanksgiving was a nice weekend in terms of Maryland athletics. but And then brought down to Earth pretty much after it stopped. Fair, but that was after Thanksgiving weekend. But yeah. sure. Anyway, we didn't get any great news for Cyber Monday or Giving Tuesday, let's say that. Uh, we should start with basketball, shouldn't we? We'll get to football later. There's a lot to get to, and we will have time to get to the football-related stuff. But uh, Matt is here because there's a lot of basketball things I want to get to, and since we last did a show, Maryland blew out somebody, which was nice, went to overtime with a mid-major team, got the luckiest escape in the world against Kansas State, and then got blown out at home. So how would you summarize the last four games for Maryland basketball, Matt? Um, I mean, bizarre. Um, I think that's a word we're going to use a lot to describe this team. It's bizarre. Yeah, I mean, very bizarre, very mellow, triple heavy. Uh, I mean, I, I think we they finally, you know, at least the Pittsburgh game, everyone came to the reality that Maryland is not going to go undefeated with 25 one-point wins. So, well, that would have been fun, though. Uh, maybe not, but... Maybe not for you guys, because you have to write about it. <laughs> no. Nah. But, but the Pittsburgh game was telling. Um, I think it exposed a lot of the problems that Maryland has been able to cover up because insert mellow Trimble ridiculous shot at the end of the game. Here, or free throws. So let's get, let's get to some of these, these problems because I, I, they, they don't overshadow the other games, but they are very telling of what Maryland is going to be dealing with come conference play, and there's a lot of good teams in the Big Ten and a lot of varied teams in the Big Ten that are going to caused Maryland a whole host of problems. So I'm not surprised that Maryland lost. Maybe mildly surprised that it happened against Pitt because they weren't great up until this game. But, Matt, the problems that plagued Maryland in this game are ones that I think a lot of us saw coming and ones that are, well, they're going to be problems that become reoccurring, as in you're going to see them a lot. Uh, Like taking... I think it was 10 or 11 more threes than two-point shots. That's not a formula for success. Um, I mean, the, my thing is, I mean, I was re-watching the game a little bit today, and most of the shots that Maryland got up weren't bad shots. Uh, I can't really, you know, complain in that regard. And Maryland is supposedly a good shooting team, although we've seen entirely the opposite. I mean, Maryland right now is the worst shooting team in the Big Ten which I don't think anybody could have predicted would be the case uh, eight games through. Uh, but Maryland's got good looks. They got good looks for Deion Wiley. They got good looks for Cowan, good looks for Herter, good looks for Mello. They, I mean, they just haven't been dropping for eight straight games now. And Maryland's, again, been able to escape 
besides it. And Pitt, the Pitt game was no different. They didn't shoot much worse than they had in the other games. It's just Pitt was a was a better team and and you know took advantage of the poor shooting. But it's good looks that haven't fallen, which is extremely frustrating. But it's it's hard to you know explain why. So then, do you fall into the the group of people? Because I see this quite often on on Twitter when Maryland is playing. And you hear a lot about, oh, they don't run offense. Well, they do. It's just most of the looks aren't falling. Because I could, I mean, yes, I don't think that taking 10 or 11 more threes than twos is a great way to plan to win games. And even if Maryland is a, a better shooting team, yeah. and I think they are, you know, but, uh, but they're I running mean, offense and sets. It's, they're just getting looks that aren't falling. Or is there yeah. more to it than that? The threes, the threes versus twos were so drastic because obviously Pitt played the zone and Maryland doesn't have an inside scorer. So, I mean, that was predictable. And again, it's the, the quantity of threes wasn't the issue. The quality was good. Them not falling was the problem. And I mean, going down the line, Maryland's guards have been shooting just awfully. Just, I mean, after Mello Trimble, the drop off is so extreme and even Mello wasn't great. So... Uh, I mean, you, you can't expect to win games like that. And, and just the bench production hasn't been there. And so, I, I, it's, it, I don't know. It, it, it's hard to, like, point out. I mean, the coaching hasn't been bad. I mean, he's Turgeon's doing what he can with this lineup, like, with three young freshmen. Uh, like, the schemes have been fine. Like, the looks have been there. It, it You know, you can't really blame Turgeon for anything. Oh, I'm not blaming him. There are people who are like, well, they're not running offense. Last year, to an extent, they weren't running offense, but that's another discussion. Ryan, uh, is this simply a story of Maryland is not just getting shots to fall, or is there something more that you want to add to this? Obviously, we've talked about what they have with personnel quite a bit, and there's nothing Mark Durgeon can do about this right now, but is there something more to this story for Maryland, and particularly last night, than just no shots are falling and the good looks aren't falling. And when they do, watch what happens. Um, I mean, there's probably a little bit more to it than that. And Matt is certainly more qualified to speak on this than I am. But I think, um, you know, occasionally you still see Maryland do the thing where, where, you know, it's all of a sudden there's five seconds left on the shot clock. And it's either a mellow Trimble drive or three or Anthony Cowan drive. Um, but again, I'm not sure how uh, problematic that is because that's that's just something that's going to happen occasionally, and that happening happening occasionally isn't a problem as long as it doesn't happen too much. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not. It's the team has good shooters. Like we've seen that Mello and Kevin Herter. You know, I think we can say that they are objectively good shooters. With Herter, probably more than Mello, but. They haven't been hitting anything. Justin Jackson, I haven't seen. I'm not. I don't have the team stats in front of me, but I would imagine Justin Jackson's been the team's best three point shooter. Matt, do you, do you know if that's true? Yeah, he has been. Um, and you know, it, you got to think if you get guys like Mello shooting a little bit better, uh, Herder, but also, I mean, Dion Wiley is still, you know, getting back into it. Ice cold. Jared Nickens uh, is ice cold. He, Wiley, he had the one game where I believe he was four or five from three, and that was that seemed to be a bit of an awakening. But uh, he, you know, I, I don't know if he hit a shot against Pitt, but he was he didn't look particular. He he did he did hit at least one shot against Pitt. I remember, but 
he's still, you know, they weren't necessarily falling. And obviously, Nickens has been ice cold. So when you're a team that has no particular inside scoring presence and then you also can't hit threes, then... Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like a good recipe for winning. It is a bad recipe, except if you're playing the other teams that Maryland played and somehow they got away with it. I don't know. Uh, Matt, there's also this from last night. And Pitt, I don't think Pitt's a particularly big team. Uh, they don't, they're not Purdue, obviously, but they have more length at the three and four positions and even a guard that troubled Maryland a lot. And then they played zone, and it was pretty clear without an inside scoring presence, as you said, that Maryland can't break that down. I, they, they tried. They tried LG Gill a bit. They tried Bender and Tchaikovsky on the floor. I think Mark Turgeon's done pretty much everything that he can do. So if you're Mark Turgeon and you're in practice and you know a lot of teams are going to throw zone against you pretty soon because that seems to be a strategy of how to win now. Uh, and we saw, I forget what team over the weekend put out zone and then Maryland went cold. I think it was Richmond uh, that did that. What is your strategy for beating the zone with what Maryland has available to them, other than just praying that the shots that haven't been falling start falling? I think, I mean, another one of the biggest issues they've had, obviously with an inexperienced front court, uh, there's been a lot of problems there. It's not even just the inside scoring. Uh, It's it's mainly been screening. Uh, If you think about this team from uh, compared to last year, who's left? DeMonte Dodd, who played minutes, Checo played some minutes, maybe. I mean, even Bender rode the bench. LG Gill didn't exist. So, I mean, these guys aren't exactly aware of, of how and where to be. And one of the biggest problems that there's been is, is screening. They, they haven't just hit players. I mean, I've seen countless times where Checo goes to set a screen on nothing or he doesn't hold his position or he doesn't hit anyone. And, and it's noticeable when Mello or Anthony are trying to drive around somebody and, and can't because – the big man hasn't hit anybody, and they, that'll draw two guys over. I mean, that's definitely been an issue, and that's something that Turgeon sort of mentioned at the, at the end of last game, talking about issues screening the top of the zone. And, and obviously, when you hit somebody, somebody else is going to be open, um, and that, that's been an issue. And with screens being just so important for the way that Maryland runs its offense, and let's be honest, it is, it's probably the most important thing in Maryland's offense is getting the guards open with screens. That's certainly a problem, but that's something I think that can be worked out, right? I mean, after this Oklahoma State game, which we're going to get to shortly, uh, Maryland plays a bunch of not very good teams. So isn't that something that could definitely get fixed before conference play starts? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just going to come with you know, pointing, pointing that fact out, which, uh, you know, should be, should be stressed in practice, obviously, just just hitting someone on screens it sounds basic but for some reason players are are shying away from actually making contact with the guy who's guarding the guard yeah i guess it makes i guess that makes sense uh so let's now get to oklahoma state because maryland had this little run of playing three power five teams and right now their only other win over a power well power five i guess power six if you include the big east uh is georgetown and georgetown is proven to be a bit mediocre again so this game against Oklahoma State, I thought was going to be tougher than Pitt because, uh, Ryan, when Maryland just about squeaked by against Georgetown, Oklahoma State blew the doors off them. So this is going to be a very good test for Maryland. Uh, it'll be a good atmosphere, obviously, but this is the best test Maryland's probably going to get for about a month, uh, considering who their early conference games are against and then who their end of out-of-conference games are against. Uh, you, what are you looking for in this game, considering it's probably the last time we're going to see Maryland against a super-quality opponent for a little while? 
Uh, what am I looking for? I'd like to see. Uh, you'd like to see how the big men match up. Um, you know, Tchaikovsky is still working his way back in. Turgeon says that he hasn't even, you know, he hasn't practiced with the team particularly that much. You'd like to see, uh, I mean, shots go in the hoop is kind of probably even the biggest thing. But, uh, you know, shots actually going in, a little bit more of an inside presence. And then uh, one one thing that sticks out, you know, randomly would be LG Gill. Uh, you'd like to see what he, Turgeon said, you know, they put him at the five a little bit, which he is just totally not, doesn't have the size for it. And now he's back at the four, and you wonder if this team's what what LG Gill's deal is if he's what, what if he's going to have a role on this team or not. Yeah, you know, what is the story with LG Gill, Matt? Because we've seen progressively less and less use of him, which sounds kind of horrible because he's a human being. Uh, but less and less usage for him—that's a better way to phrase it—as uh, we've gotten you know, as the season's worn on. What's the what's the deal with that? Is it Justin Jackson's playing better? Is it, you know, we've seen a little bit better for Bender? Well, why have we not seen LG Gill as much? Yeah, it's been a mix of things, too. I mean, LG, LG Gill came over as a wing. He never played as a big man position, and that's something he was asked to do sort of out of nowhere. Um, and he sort of struggled with that. I mean, he's, he's not, he's 6'8", which is great, but he's not built like a big man i mean he he has a slender body he's he's more of a quick mover he can apparently shoot and that's you know one of his strengths and he hasn't been able to do that he's been inside on the block and that's not where he's comfortable uh and even offense hasn't even been you know it's not that lg guild needs to really score too much for this team but defensively he hasn't been good because you know he's never he's never guarded any big men before and now he's doing it against you know tougher opponents which which sort of sucks. Um, and, and yeah, Justin Jackson's playing pretty much out of his mind for someone who's been in college for eight games. So, yeah, and Justin Jackson's pretty much taken that spot that LG Gill was supposed to fill had Justin Jackson not been so good. And for that, you know, for that reason, LG Gill has sat a little bit. I, I really think that there is a role on him, role for him on this team, and, and we're going to see it more when he's asked to play within his range and, you know, Turgeon's had to ask a little bit much for him, from him. Uh, but something I'm definitely looking uh, more at for the Oklahoma State game is is the guards off the bench to actually produce and, and not even just scoring, just defensively. I feel like we see the drop-off. Like, it's it's very apparent once the freshmen leave the court and just the defensive pressure from, you know, Wiley and, and Nickens off off the bench. I mean, there's, there's a certain drop-off. You know, traps are less effective. Uh, they're slouching off the ball a little bit. Uh, I think that's really been a huge problem. Mm-hmm. Well, what about Oklahoma State, do you think? Uh, I don't know how much you actually looked at them as a basketball team, aside from the couple of games that we've seen. Uh, but what about them uh, gets you excited in terms of a type of opponent for Maryland? Because as we said, there are a lot of different kind of teams you play in the Big Ten. You play the shoot-the-lights-out Indiana-style teams or the they're-going-to-bludgeon-you-to-death Purdue style teams. Yeah, I don't I know. Think... I don't know too much about about Oklahoma State. I haven't seen them play, but um, obviously, I expect them to be bigger than Pitt, and just to see how how Maryland's going to match up with that is going to be interesting too. Uh, Turgeon opted to still play big against a smaller Pitt team, which to me seemed a little bizarre. Um, 
mm-hmm. but just to see just to see how Turgeon arranges because obviously there's so many ways that Maryland Maryland's lineup can go. I'm still waiting to see if he'll play Justin Jackson at the five. I really think that that's going to help. In some haven't we haven't we seen that just in very brief fits and spurts? I don't even season. remember. I don't even remember a time where it's we we talking Justin five. Jackson at the five. Yeah, yes. I, I don't. I don't think we've seen that yet. Yeah, I it's think, that, I think that, it seems inevitable that we're going to see it at some point. Just just a matter of when. Maybe yeah. maybe it comes when Maryland starts playing the not good teams, the, the Howard, St. Peter's, Jacksonville States of the world. Because I, I get a feeling that those are the kind of games Maryland is going to try to experiment more with. Uh, I'm looking at uh, Oklahoma State's lineup. They have a freshman that's seven foot, but other than that, their biggest player is six nine, six eight. So this is again not a very big team that Maryland's going to play against, and they're coached by Brad Underwood, and you'll remember him from uh, what was it? Yeah, I remember right. They have a big freshman guard too. I think Lindy Waters does he play? Yeah, he's six yeah. six. Yeah, I remember him too. Watching him in high school. Oh, uh, okay. These are these are things that Matt Ellentalk is very good at that I would have no clue about. Yes, yeah, so, I mean they're, they're they're bigger in in some senses. Maybe not the not the center position, but um, it's length at the positions where Maryland doesn't really deal well with length. It's length yeah. at the two and the three, and that was basically what Pitt had, and Maryland got flummoxed by it. So yeah, yeah, which is why let's let's see some Justin Jackson at the five minutes. I mean. It makes sense. It really does. He's not going to give up anything wingspan wise. I mean, he has a he almost has Diamond Stone's wingspan, and he's three inches shorter. This is crazy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, looking at who they've beaten, they beat UConn, but that's not really an accomplishment. They beat up Georgetown, and Maryland didn't do that. And the rest of the teams they played aren't very good. So, who knows? We'll see. But I know you're not thinking about this now because it's December, and you should. Well, it, well, it's December when you're listening to this. It's December and you shouldn't think about this, but this is Maryland's last chance to get a decent out-of-conference win before uh, conference play starts, and everything matters when it comes to getting into the NCAA tournament, and it might be a bit of a struggle this year for Maryland to get in, but that's not something we have to think about now. We're going to shift gears to football because a lot has happened in the last couple of days, Ryan. And Matt, you can stay along and add any comments here that you might want to. Uh, Ryan, I know... The Rutgers game happened, and it was frustrating in some senses, but I'm glad that they won. And, you know, there's only so much you could take out of a game against Rutgers because they're awful. But there were some things that Maryland was able to do against bad teams that they were finally able to do again now that they're playing a bad team. And that's and that's a good sign, all things considered, for what has been a really weird roller coaster ride of a season. Yeah. Um, you know, overall, it was... It was possibly it was one of the more boring games Maryland's played this season. Um, you know, it was it was nice to see. It was still more you know after the Michigan Ohio State uh, Nebraska debacles. Uh, you know, it was it was certainly more exciting than that. But aside from you know a couple big plays, this was not you know not not much really went on in this game. Um, but it was good. The encouraging signs were Perry Hills was back. Uh, he was looking fine. And you got to think about a month off is certainly going to help him because he's just been through a world of injuries this season. Um, he's been through a world of injuries his entire career at Maryland, let's be honest. Yes, that is true. Um, and, you know, you got to see the defense was fine, but it was against Rutgers. 
Uh, they got just, some big plays at times, but Maryland yeah. also got a bajillion sacks too. That was nice. Yeah, I'd say the sacks were the biggest difference. Um, and I think you, you know, playing Rutgers will help you out with that a little bit. And it's at the point where you can't really necessarily take too much away from this game, except for. Like you know, if they had lost to Rutgers, it would have been full-on panic mode, and they comf- they were they were they were comfortably ahead for this game. So it was that 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 I think really is the biggest thing that you can take away is oh Maryland beat Rutgers, and you know the game wasn't really in that much doubt because if I mean, it Rutgers wasn't, was within a possession a couple of times, but it never really felt like Maryland was like oh my god they're going to give something up here. It always kind of felt like well Rutgers is going to screw. There was one drive. When uh, Jermaine Carter, I think it was either an interception or a fumble, one of the one or the other. Uh, the game's a while ago, so forgive us if we're forgetting, and also forgive us if we were paying attention to other things during that game. Uh, Michigan, Ohio State being one of them, because that was crazy fun. But um, aside from that and that drive ending, other than that, there really weren't a lot of moments where I was like, "Oh my God, Rutgers is going to tie it or take the lead or something like that." It was a pretty common you know more moribund game against a bad team so to speak yes no i mean i think that's that's right there were Rutgers had the ball a couple times with you know even the chance to tie but it just didn't really you know you didn't feel like Rutgers was really coming that close to it um yeah so i think the biggest thing you can you can take away is hey like maryland maryland beat every team it was supposed to beat this season yeah and that's good this is uh, this is the this is the takeaway you're going to think about for the rest of. The, I mean, Maryland still it's been well. A couple of things from this. First of all, Maryland hadn't won a senior day game in six years, which was something that I didn't really put two and two together on until I looked it up. The last time they won on senior day was the last time they beat a ranked team, which was NC State. So to think about that, that's good for the seniors who have been through a lot of heck with this this program recently uh, to get a win. And uh, there's a lot of them who have seen quite a lot of crazy things in this their four plus years at Maryland that's number one and then as you said obviously beating the six teams you were supposed to beat is really really good they didn't have any bad losses all of the teams that they lost to were teams that were clearly better than them uh the only one that I could think of where I was like man I wish Maryland was slightly more competitive in this in this environment was Minnesota they could have beaten Indiana who was also six and six but I think if that game was in College Park they probably would have won it and maybe on another day they do win it uh, I really was wishing they would have been more competitive against Minnesota, but other than that, you can't really complain. As the other teams they lost to were some of the best teams in the country, and the Big Ten, particularly the Big Ten East, is insanely good this year. So I don't think you can begrudge Maryland and DJ Durkin for any of what's happened this year, especially considering injuries and what else went on. Uh, I, I don't think – I think it's this is not an unqualified success, but this is certainly a successful season for a coach in his first year when he has a rebuilding job to do. Yeah. Nope, I think I think that's all good. Okay. Shall we shall, to, we shall we move on to the yes, we less have to move exciting on to the news? thing that we're going to panic about. Yes, uh, we had heard rumblings about this when we were recording last week, but we didn't want to do anything because it wasn't official at that point. Uh, now it is, and a player you the most mentioned recruit uh, for Maryland football was Josh Kando. Maybe Kasim Hill's up there, uh, but Kando has announced that he is opening up his recruitment again and will make his final announcement on new year's day that is not a good sign for maryland uh when was he committed when did he commit verbally commit because i don't remember i think it was it's been a while though hasn't it? it was it was in april it was during the nfl draft yeah so it's let's be honest 
kind of crazy to think that he stuck with Maryland this long, all things considered. And, you know, as we have learned with verbal commitments over the last couple of years, they're not worth very much. Commitments are only firm when they're signed on the dotted line, and that doesn't happen until February. And obviously, Kando would have been the best recruit that Maryland football has gotten since Stefan Diggs. Uh, and now it is not looking likely that he's going to come here. And obviously the school that he may well go to is not one Maryland fans want to hear about, but you shouldn't be really surprised considering how the two seasons have gone. Uh, you wrote a good piece, Ryan, about not panicking about recruiting things. And I think you, you might have to rehash it here, but this is one of those times when you really shouldn't panic about recruiting things. Yeah, no, I got no problem rehashing. I mean, essentially... Uh, yeah, here are my, my thoughts on this is essentially he, you know, while you kind of have to lump him and Kendo, Kendo and Haskins in together as, well, back-to-back seasons, Maryland lost its best recruit to possibly an in-state, uh, not in-state, in-division uh, in team. But the Kendo versus Haskins commitments really were pretty different circumstances. Haskins was pretty clearly tied to Mike Loxley, who Maryland, who DJ Durkin elected not to keep on once he took over at as Maryland's head coach. Um, while Kendo was seems just like a classic case of someone recruit someone committing to a team before realizing that they are just you know someone a five star recruit committing to a team that was not as good and realizing, Oh, I can go and play for whatever championship contending team I want. I think well, that's probably well, well, what well, ended well. up. We, we, that, that, that's a bit of a, even for Penn state this year, that's a bit of a stretch, but anyway, sorry, I had to say it. Okay. There's I mean, going to be some sweet justice when they get left out of the playoff, even if they win the big 10, I have to say that. Well, yes, but Penn State certainly is still looking pretty good for next season, Well, too. yes, obviously. They're looking better than Maryland, but even when Penn State was bad, they looked better than Maryland. Let's be honest here. Sure, there was a sure, very yes. brief moment in history where we thought Maryland could jump Penn State. It was a very, very brief moment in history. And it was too brief, unfortunately, but it was a brief one. And then Penn State really just sort of rocketed ahead, and Maryland became Maryland again. Sorry for interrupting. You can continue. Uh, I mean, yeah, I think when when you look at Penn State as opposed to Maryland, like I, you know, I, I won't necessarily rehash the differences between these programs because we certainly don't need this. But uh, I mean, obviously, the you know Penn State's going to be in a much better position than Maryland next year. Yes. Anyway, um, but the. Uh, yeah, I think Maryland, it's the the initial worry, you know, when you have a big recruit leave like this is, is he taking anyone with him? Are other people following him out the door? In the same way, Keandre Jones, who very well could have started if he stayed at Maryland, uh, went flipped to Ohio State with Dwayne Haskins. And I think that, you know, there's no signs that that's likely. Kim Spence, Maryland's uh, four-star defensive tackle commit, who was at IMG Academy with Josh Kando last year and when uh, visited Penn State with him last weekend. But uh, um, what Spence tweeted a couple things saying that he's, you know, staying in Maryland, all that. Deion Jones, cornerback commit, says he's staying in Maryland. We haven't heard anything from, from Kasim Hill at all, but uh, it doesn't seem like he's going anywhere. 
And that's really the biggest concern at the moment is, all right, are the current recruits leaving? Doesn't look like it. That gives Maryland still the 17th ranked class in the country, still with a lot of, you know, that'll probably go down a little bit if they don't sign any other big recruits because other schools will. But, uh, you know, there's this is still a solid class without Josh Kando. And he's, he's the kind of recruit that Maryland would be ridiculously lucky to get. All of the other, the, the five blue chip recruits Maryland still has are the recruits that Maryland can get. You know, they're all in-state recruits in Maryland or D.C. And that is essentially any big recruit Maryland signed over the past, you know, in Randy Edsel's tenure. Because with Edsel, they still got a blue chip or two every Damian Prince, class. Um, a certain Diggs guy. Right. And even, and, you know, it was just that too many of those guys weren't staying in Maryland. And now with this first recruiting class, it seems like, more of them are, which that's how you build your class if you're DJ Durkin. You don't get them by the only – because, I mean, when just logically it would seem that, you know, the only kids who are going to recruit to – who are going to come to Maryland over, you know, these awesome schools are going to be the kids who grew up rooting for Maryland and want to get all of their friends and come and play for Maryland together and make Maryland better. That's, you know, the basic pitch that I'm sure Durkin is – and the staff is sending to recruits, and that you know seems like it's the one that Maryland can count on. Not that they shouldn't try to get other really good recruits from out of state, because eventually you can. But it's they have that's yeah. But you know you're that that's something that I think comes later, maybe after you establish yourself a little bit more. Yes, this definitely happens. It's not like Maryland hasn't been getting other recruits from places beyond Maryland, beyond the DMV. I mean, Will Likely is one of Maryland's best players in recent history, right. and he's from Florida. So right, but DJ Durkin but... has these connections in other places. So, you know, I, I get Kando. I, the, the thing with Kando is uh, he was playing at the IMG Academy. I know he's, I think he's from the area, but he wasn't playing. He's from Maryland, yeah. He was not playing in Maryland like the rest right. of these guys are. And, I, and I've said on this podcast before, and I think you and many other people have backed this up, if Maryland keeps a decent majority of the best players in their backyard at Maryland, then they will be fine. That hadn't been happening until recently. And if it starts happening, then you will see improvement. That's simply what's happening. And I think Kando was the cherry on top of the cake. If some of the others leaving start leaving, then the cake starts going with them. That's that's the worry, as you had mentioned. But since Matt Ellentuck was just yawning on the other end, I want to ju- have him jump in on this point because this this stands true for basketball recruiting too, maybe to a lesser extent because there aren't as many players to recruit. But this is the same thing for basketball recruiting as well, you know, because that is also just as much of an inexact science as football recruiting is. You know, you gotta verbal commitments are what they are, and sometimes these things happen. Yes. Oh, yeah. Recruiting is just entirely unpredictable. And I think we've seen that over recent... I mean, as we've said, Maryland has done better recruiting the DMV in basketball than they have for football But recently. But, again, and we've praised Mark Turgeon as a recruiter quite a bit. But, you know, this is the recruiting game. I mean, you win some, as in Maryland got Diamond Stone last year, which not very few people thought was going to happen. And then you lose some. This, this is how recruiting works in every single sport. But particularly the, the two that we pay most attention to. And, and recruits flip 
this happens very often. It's just Maryland probably hasn't seen it happen to them with such highly prized recruits in such a short span. But this kind of thing happens to other schools all the time. But, but then I think the other thing that comes along with that is if it happens to, say, Alabama, it's less noticeable because Alabama has a ton of really good recruits anyway. Well, you know, no, but with I, Maryland, I mean, it's 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 different because when you get the oh my god, crazy good player, Maryland doesn't get those very often. So if he leaves, which let's be honest, Josh Kando, if he comes to Maryland now, it's going to be a surprise. Uh, you know, when Maryland loses that kind of player, it's like oh my god, what just happened here? Yeah, well, I mean, I think one good example of this is uh, there's a quarterback in this class. I'm blanking on his name, but he was committed to either Kansas or Kentucky. And he was like this really good guy who, I you know, forget the exact circumstances, but he was good and they were really lucky to have him, you know, get later in the class and he flips to Alabama. You know, this, this kind this of thing. all the time. What, what, more what I'm thinking, more what I'm saying is the, a lesser program sign or not signs, gets a commitment from a recruit during his junior season who then reali- realizes as a senior Oh, I can go play for national championships, or even on a le- on like a little lesser scale, just conference championships. And this school may not be able to provide me that. I'm, you know, what what's the argument for staying there? Who, you know, and who knows? Who knows? That is true. I do want to quickly mention before we wrap this show up that Maryland is going to a bowl game. There was somebody on Twitter a couple of days ago who was positing that Maryland was not going to go to a bowl game, which is entirely wrong. They're a 6-6 six and six Power 5 team. They're going to a bowl game. Uh, yes. It's just a matter of where, and most everybody has projected it's going to be the quick lane bowl against one of our former ACC friends, the most often cited is Boston College. Uh, I don't think we should be picky about any bowl that Maryland gets in, uh, especially considering what this season has brought, and it will now be three of four seasons with Maryland in a bowl game. Uh, but the idea of it being something like, I don't know, the quick lane bowl, I've seen some say the pinstripe or who, who the hell knows. There's so many bowl games. It's, and I'm it's, I think it's either going to be the, the two most likely are the heart of Dallas bowl and the quick lane bowl in, uh, Detroit. Some people are projecting still the pinstripe bowl, but that doesn't seem particularly likely. I think but, it, it, well, I mean, that would be a higher Big Ten team, and the reason why people are projecting it is because, hey, Maryland draws well in New York. That might be a reason why this happens. I mean, Rutgers once was right. a really crappy team that got into the pinstripe bowl, and that's because they're in the area. So I guess it's possible, and those bowl projections are often never really exact sciences, as we've mentioned. But, um, you know, the pinstripe bowl is also against an ACC team, so if you're interested in that... Uh, It could be very likely that Maryland plays a better ACC team in a bowl game than they did in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Yeah, certainly possible. How about that craziness? But it means you have something to do over uh, the holiday break. Yeah, I'm excited. Are you going to go to it or not? (laughs) Are you going to go to it? Um, If it's it's the Pinstripe Bowl, I'll be there. Uh, Detroit is a definite no. Uh, Dallas is is a probable no, but not – Dallas has some road trip potential where Detroit really just doesn't. Oh, you don't uh, anyway. Uh, you got to start thinking about Texas road. I mean, who knows what you'll be doing in September? You got to start thinking about Texas road trips when Maryland spoils Tom Herman's Texas debut. <laughs> yeah, I'm, well, I'm, 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 beginning I'm of football season huge, versus big... right after Christmas is a little. I know. Is, that's that's the big. Oh, that's I, the... I know, I know, but still, I'm still thinking of huge big gatherings for next year where I'm going to try to make my way down to Austin, whatever I'm doing then to go see that game because that game will be bananas. But regardless of that, 
uh, thank you both for joining. Sorry, Matt, about the lack of you in the second half of the show, but... Yeah, oh, we're good, we're good. You'll, you're going to get your time in the sun. Well, you already have your time in the sun. You'll get more of it as, as time goes on, I guess. You know, we, we don't want to beat down the dead horse with Maryland basketball because, you know, the dead horse is going to get beaten quite a bit more in the future, you figure, because Maryland's going to lose a game like that again. I can almost guarantee it. Just a matter of when. Although, although, the, although the funny thing is, as we're recording this, uh, Michigan, which is Maryland's first really true road game, uh, lost at home to Virginia Tech. So who knows? Maybe Maryland can win there. I thought that would have been a loss. It's going to be real unpredictable. Yeah, that's going to be one of the – that's Maryland basketball this season. They could easily beat Indiana and lose to Rutgers. That, that, that's the kind of season this could be. Although, let's be honest, Rutgers is 6-1. and one. They started out pretty well. Got to give them credit. For sure. For sure. All right, thank you both for being here. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Hopefully you had a good holiday. We will be back next week again with more fun and merriment. But, of course, go Terps. Go Terps.